connect, engage, change. This is 702. This is 702. For the curious. Now, of course, these two gents have been doing a lot of media, so I'll try to be short and sharp and straight to the point on this one. Good evening to you, Oliver. I'll start with you, Oliver Hermanis, who is the director of the film Moffy. Good evening to you and thank you for joining us. Hi, how are you? Great stuff, man. So let's let's start off with this one, Oliver. I mean, it's uh, I watched the film. It's it's setting. I found very interesting. Set, you know, during the border wars in South Africa, I would say, uh, based on you know the costume and the design of the film, uh, set in around about the nineteen seventies, of course. Um, 1981. 1981. Sorry, 1981. I guess it, uh, I'm, I'm mistaking it with sort of the flashback scenes as well. Um, and set in 1981, um, it also deals with, uh, you know, a particular hyper-masculinity. I also noticed that obviously it deals with the border wars, so obviously largely a white cast uh, set in that particular setting. Why this subject matter? What drove you to choose this as your subject matter? Uh, well, the, the film is obviously based on a book, and I was offered the book a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and I, I sort of thought about it for a while, about why I would make a film about white men in the 80s in the army, because I'm not a white man from the 80s myself. Um, so I, I eventually decided that there was something to be told about how white men have been made and how they've been engineered in Africa for almost a century. And that kind of became the focus. And then the sort of journey of the lead character, his sexual coming of age, proved to be the ideal metaphor to just demonstrate that if you were not the perfect kind of white, masculine, Afrikaans-speaking man, that you were a problem for the state. And ultimately, that's that's what it is, isn't it? Uh, I mean, this is something that... Um how do I put it? The, the, that's exactly what came through in the film, is that everything about your lead character, Nick, seemed to be out of place. He is the one guy that speaks English in this uh, in this barracks. He's the one guy uh, that clearly ha- his sexual awakening uh, is, is of a homosexual nature, uh, yet he finds himself in a very stifling environment where being gay is, is clearly made... Uh, he's clearly made to feel uncomfortable, albeit indirectly and not necessarily directly. I mean, it was actually really well done. But apart from that, I thought it was a very much, it was a broader form. And I mean, uh, the, the, I drew a comparison to Ingleba, uh, which sort of becomes the first uh, go-to place ultimately for that type, you know, for uh, the, the theme around the film. But it's a, it's a broader movie. It, it deals with toxic masculinity. It deals with the period in time. And I guess for South Africans, it brings us into conflict with that portion of our history. Is it not so? Um, I suppose, yes. You know, the the interest of, of using this journey into our past as a way of kind of informing uh, our present is part of the interest of the film. I made a film in 2011 called Squirnate, which was about a repressed Africana in Bloemfontein. And that film, the response to that film, particularly internationally, was very much about exploring, you know, masculinity in South Africa and the question of toxic masculinity and repression. Um, and Morphe is kind of a sort of exploration of this in a different way, in, in a sense, through a way where we're looking at um, what the damage has been for a lot of South Africans in a, in a sort of community that they don't really think about as having any damage. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I, I like the way that the and I mean, thanks for clarifying that this is based on a book. I'm 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 not going to lie and say that I've read the book and then watched the movie and this is the comparisons that I draw between the two of them. Uh, you know, for me, I, I interacted with the film last night, um, and as I said, it's it's absolutely beautifully shot. It's beautifully directed. And it's beautifully acted, you know. Um, gone are some of the criticisms that local films tend to face, at times unfairly and at times uh, fairly as well. Um, I mean, it's just really a, a beautiful production that you have put together here. But, you know, for you, ultimately, what I got out of it, it was a, an excellent movie experience. Uh, it was subtle in its nature. It wasn't subtle in its form. Um, it didn't have to bludgeon you to death. And, and there's a space for both that type of messaging as well as the idea of subtly taking you through the experience. Um, yeah, that, I think that's just a sort of a question of the filmmaker's taste, I guess. I mean, I think all the films that I've made have been more on the subtle side. They've always been character portraits of South Africans in different settings. Um, and the kind of film education that I've had has always been about making fairly adult-themed films in the sense of dealing with questions that are really sort of tailored toward an adult audience. Um, but it's also, you know, this is not necessarily the kind of cinema that, that South Africans, particularly when the cinema is about South Africa, this is not the kind of cinema South Africans are very used to going to the movies to see because we generally have a history of going to the cinema to escape our lives or our context mm, or our mm. history. Um, so to put a somewhat like this, you know, in South African context or the South African audience in the market, it's really asking South Africans to to find a, a similar experience that they're not quite historically used to. Very true, and I think that's part of it. And and we'll get back to sort of what that then what is the ultimate impact because. Um, I know that as an artist, as a director, you're not necessarily looking at the bottom line. That's what you have accountants and marketing people for. Uh, you know, you're an artist, you want to express yourself, you want to tell a particular story. Uh, and I'm sure that ultimately, if I were to ask you, is, is you, you managed to achieve exactly that and tell the story that you wished to tell. But do you see this film? And I've seen a couple of my friends, I've seen a couple of people that I interact with on a regular basis. Um, who have gone out and almost it's it's been um, a move of activism almost to go watch this particular film. Did you intend on this being an activist statement whilst being an artistic uh, expression? Um, you can never make a movie called Mofi in the South African context and, and not have some kind of provocation behind it. Mm. Um, we, knew, we knew going into this film that by having that as the title and, and dealing with this particular bit of history, that we were going to have to, you know, like anything in this country, if you're going to say something, you're going to have to substantiate it, you're going to have to find a way of letting it out into the market with a sense of responsibility about creating discourse. And when I came back to South Africa after filming the film in Venice last year, and started thinking about releasing it here, I immediately decided that I was going to take the opportunity to really talk about this word Morphe and to try and find a way of making the film have some relevance outside of just being a movie you go and watch, which is the privilege I guess we've had with Morphe that we were able to put ourselves in a position to to invite people to speak about this word and for them to engage with me and to do so completely out of their love and passion for, for talking about this, this particular theme um, in the hope of helping other people. 
And I think that's a conversation that I'm going to get into in, in just a few there, Oliver, uh, especially the impact of that word, because I think depending on what community you come from, some people might see it as a bit of slang and, you know, you're just teasing someone. It's a, it's a colloquial term that you use um, to, well, you know, uh, which, which we understand is extreme uh, toxic masculinity. But at the very same time, you know, for someone like myself who works in the human rights space, um, I, I would see this as a word that's akin to hate speech, quite frankly. But we'll, we'll get into, dive into those dynamics a little more later on. Um, look, from what I understand, this film has done really well on the international stage. It has done really well, um, you know, on, on that festival uh, level. Thus far, your reception locally within, you know, within cinema. I mean, I went to Cinema Nouveau in Rosebank yesterday, and that's not your atypical representative uh, audience within South Africa. A, what is your expectation in how it would do within our local theatres and, and your experience as far as it surpassed expectations or has it matched your expectations? Um, I'm not even sure what my expectations were. I think you always hope with a film that it has an impact, that it you know, returns revenue for the investors in the film. Um, mm. has had a very strong international Reaction. It's been sold to many countries in the world, and it will come out in many countries in the world. But of course, we're now faced with coronavirus as a very real threat in this country, which will have a huge impact on people's opportunity to see the film. I was thinking that last night as I was watching the film, because I, as I said uh, during my intro, every time someone cleared their throat or had a slight, <coughs> uh, I'd get a bit nervous. Um, but your film was good enough for me to sit through it. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've, we've been, I mean, that's going to have a huge impact, especially what the president just announced this evening. So, We've already thought of alternate plans, and you know we've got this really amazing team behind Morphe, particularly here in South Africa, and we've essentially almost set up a situation where the film will be available to stream by the end of this coming week if cinemas do close. So we're hoping to find other ways of sharing the film with South Africans if indeed we will no longer be able to go to the movies in a week from today. Hey, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it's, it, it would be unfortunate if, if uh, COVID-19, the global scourge that it has become, uh, has an impact on, 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 you know, people being able to watch this movie and actually experience it. But, I mean, um, in terms of just as, as a final thought, and then I'll, of course, go to Kai Luke Brummer, who is the lead actor in this particular one. Um, just in terms of, you know, what the film, it's its reception here locally. I mean, we are still, and I always say this to people, especially within the context of working in the human rights space, we have all the legal uh, protections, we have all the constitutional protections, but let's be quite frank, as a country, we're still very close-minded, we're still very homophobic. Um, what is the one lesson or the one thing that you would like people to take out of your film, especially since it, 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 it gently, in my opinion, presents the subject matter? I mean, my, as a filmmaker, my, my attitude and my attempt is, is never really to preach. I mean, I, the mm. film is there to kind of pose a question. It's, it's, meant to, it's meant to upset the audience in the sense of just destabilizing them in some way to get them to think about their, their behavior or their lives or their neighbors or their friends or their families in a particular a different way or in a more enlightened way. It's, it's there to, to stimulate, you know. Uh, my hope as a filmmaker with a film like Morphe is that somebody going to film will either be comforted by in some way, feel understood in some way, feel re- reflected on or represented. And for others, if they're engaged in a film that they're generally afraid of going into because of a title like Morphe, you can hope that they come out with a greater understanding of somebody else's experiences. And that's really as filmmakers, you know, we, we, that, we're not politicians, so we, we really hope to just, you know, 
part mm. of the question. Oliver, listen, mate, I've given you uh, the floor, so I'm going to give Kai Luke Brummer the, the floor up next. Well done on your excellent, Thank stunning you film. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was beautiful on every possible level. The storytelling, the acting, the cinematography, all of it blew me away. Uh, don't be surprised if I, 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 I definitely think this is one of the top, not I think, I know, this is one of the best South African films I've watched uh, in my entire life. Thank you so much, man. Wow. Thank you so much. Well done on you, really. Sure, Thank sure, you. mate. There was uh, Oliver Hermanis, he's the director of the film Morphina, speaking to the lead actor, Kai Luke uh, Brummer. Uh, good evening to you and thank you for, for, for chatting to us this evening. Thank you so much for having me. Great stuff. Kai, am I correct that this is your first, um, this is your first role in a, in a major uh, motion feature picture? Film, yeah, it's my first, first lead role in a feature film. Wow. I mean, you, you acted the living daylights out of it. I would have said something else, but I'll get fired. <laughs> Uh, if, I, if I say that <laughs> word on so air. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things I want to explore with you. First and foremost, and I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I don't like asking people. I don't think it's not that it's impolite. I just think that mm. we don't live in a world where we go asking people what their sexual orientation is before we engage mm. in conversation. Mm. But from what I understand yeah. is, is that you assist gender heterosexual male uh, that's yeah. playing this role of someone whose sexual awakening is clearly homosexual. Mm-hmm. The, what I always it's find fascinating. complicated fasc- narrative, yeah. It is a complicated narrative, and, and especially because of the time, the setting that it's set in. You, your character, Nick, is not able to identify, self identify openly as gay. Mm-hmm. He can't have his yeah. moment of coming out. But, but taking a yeah. step back, I mean, wh- here you are handed a script. You are cisgender, mm-hmm. heterosexual male that's going to play the role of someone who is clearly gay, uh, someone who. Mm-hmm. Is, is coming into touch with the fact that he's gay. How, how do you digest that? How do you find yourself being able to transcend your own, for lack of a better term, sexual orientation and transcend into the role of this character who is gay and then also be, albeit a, a secretly gay man, but a gay man nonetheless in this form? I think it's, you know, it's interesting because I've been asked this question before and I don't really prescribe to the ideas around... Um, sexuality being sex. I think sexuality mm. is quite a fluid thing. But I obviously can't identify with the um, kind of issues that the LGBT community is dealing with on a daily basis. And I would never assume to. Mm-hmm. But this acting thing is kind of interesting because it asks us to imagine ourselves into different spaces all the time. So for me, that was never really a problem. And I think more than anything with Nicholas was his focus around trying to find his sexuality. I don't think he ever fully finds it, even by the end of the film. I think he finds a spark, mm. and that spark ignites something in him that he's never felt before. And, but he doesn't have the language to express it fully. You just made me realize that there was one question, one burning question I had for Oliver Hermanus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, and, and you literally just remind. I actually had this. This was the first question that I had for this interview tonight, and I totally forgot to ask him. But, I mean, the, the film ends on, on, on an ambiguous note. Was that deliberate? Mm-hmm. I mean, you watched the film clearly. You acted in it. Yeah. It mm. ends on a very ambiguous note. Was that deliberate? Well, yeah, I think I think the thing is to leave it open-ended, right? It's because we kind of know what is, what has happened to these men because mm. we've lived with them, you know, especially for me, someone who had a father who went to the army who never spoke about it. Yeah. That was the idea, that nothing was ever fully resolved. And so I think it's quite an intentional thing to leave it open-ended and for the audience to have to ask, what does happen? What becomes of this person? And it probes a conversation. 
I mean, now that you speak of it, obviously, you know, um, as I said, you know, he doesn't come, Nicholas doesn't come back from the army, uh, sits down, obviously his stepdad <laughs> now wants to be the dad. Yeah. He doesn't sit down with stepdad and stepmom and says, hey, listen, I am gay, I'm out there and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Um, he meets everyone that he encounters post-military service with a sense of silence and he doesn't want to tell them what happened on the border. Yeah, well, there's this this trauma, right? And and mm. how do you speak about that effectively? Because there's no space for it. Um, and I think that's quite an important note and something that I experienced when researching this role was that everyone that I spoke to about it, including my father, was very difficult to talk to them about this because mm. I think for some of them, there's a lot of shame associated with this time period. Yeah. And so specifically, like for someone like me, who's now in my family, I have a mixed-race family, I have an adopted brother, and so my father, from going from fighting on the border wall to having a, an adopted son of color, you, you wonder about those narratives and how you deal with it. Mm. And it is, it, it, it is the complexity of this nation after all. I mean, we, we tend to think yeah. that reconciliation happened in 1994 and we just moved on from there and we were just sort of this mm. nation holding hands. But there's still a lot of tough and difficult questions to answer. I mean, just to take a step back, I mean, uh, the question in and around your own sexual orientation versus the sexual Mm. orientation of Nicholas as a character. I mean, the reason why I believe that is ultimately uh, relevant is because I just spoke to to Oliver and whether you Mm. and Oliver realize this, but this is a film that makes a, a deep, serious statement. And the only other film that I can sort of liken it to is Nlaba, which thematically dealt with it similar themes but two very different approaches yours was subtle Moffy being very subtle um, uh, you know around the themes of gay men in particular but at the very same time still driving home that message I mean do you see yourself as having played a role in terms of activism in and around the LGBTI space not speaking on behalf of people I think you know as an artist it's very difficult to speak about that as an actor because mm. you never want to take the foreshadowing of the meaning of the film. So for me, it's about stepping aside and letting the work speak for itself. I think Oliver himself has made a very clear statement um, in terms of the filmmaking that he's, or the film that he's made mm. and the questions that it asks. But me as the performer, I'm kind of just the vessel, really. So I would never like to take credit for any kind of thing like that, to be honest. But I mean, uh, and my question comes from, you know, how you approach the role. Because you could have been mediocre yeah. about it and figured that, you know what, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's another paycheck. I do my performance on screen. I'll give it a, a, an 80 to a 70 to 80 percent um, effort. And uh, the paycheck is still there at the end of it all. And um, I can walk away and, and, and say that, listen, I have Moffy on my CV and uh, wait for the next project. And maybe Hollywood picks me up. Uh, where, or, or alternatively, you're going to apply yourself to the role and really make yeah. sure that you do justice to the character. I think this is a very close um, history for me. You know, this is, this is the heritage that raised me. Mm. And so I felt it my responsibility to do justice. I think there's a lot of thing about the older generation that I don't necessarily understand, mm. having not grown up in apartheid. And I, I found it my duty to try and understand that generation without kind of any judgment. I mean, just on that basis, um, which I find fascinating, you know, what you had just said there. But the one thing that I always think about is in terms of context. I mean, was it for you a bit of a culture shock, contextually looking back at it? Uh, you were part of these scenes. You, you had this drill sergeant 
uh, that yo, uh, I don't know if his mother ever, ever kissed him on the mouth with that mouth. Yeah. Um, you know, you you had the attitudes that were, uh, you know, amongst young men who were just bloodthirsty and ready, albeit maybe just a display of bravado, because they they actually quite scared. They 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 could lose their lives on the border. All of those things yeah. sort of coming together, and then on top of it, you have this added layer of you know if being attracted to, to hide yourself yeah yeah you know you're attracted to another man and you're in an environment that's clearly not enabling and and it's not just that it's frowned upon i mean it's it's sin it's you get beaten up for this type of stuff all of that yeah. stuff i mean if you have to look back at it uh, you look very much like a a born free uh, judging by your age <laughs> Um, yeah. I'm sure you must think that uh, your parents, uh, their generation, and people who came before you were just play uh, basically nuts. They were crazy for having those attitudes and those thoughts. Well, I think you know that's the thing when you when you learn about things via a textbook like I have. I mean, I was born in 1993, so one uh, one year before apartheid ended. Sure, but um, it's quite interesting because when you learn about it in a textbook, you you think this is a crazy time and how could that ever have happened and how didn't people how did people not stand up mm. and then interestingly enough through playing a character you kind of start to understand the psychology a little bit better and that's the wonderful thing about acting right is that mm. whenever we think of someone um as being other than ourselves we have this wonderful opportunity to step into their shoes and see the world from their perspective and suddenly your own perspective starts to shift yeah. and i think it's you know that's what made the apartheid regime so effective is that it um it group people into sections and where they weren't able to communicate with one another and have conversations around their lives and, and what they were experiencing. And so it was a very interesting space for me to head back into. And I think a couple of times during the filming, um, especially the scene on the train where we really sort of feel the racism of the South African Defence Force during yeah. the time, is that for both Matthew Vay and I, we kept having these responses and Oliver eventually had to come up to us and say, listen, guys, it's 1981. Your reactions can't be the same. Mm. And, and for me, that was an eye-opening experience. Yeah. No, absolutely fascinating. I mean, final thought that I'll leave you with uh, on this one, I mean, is up next, uh, I'm heading into the second con- part of the conversation. Uh, the film is called Moffy. Um, the word itself is used quite... Um, regularly throughout the fall, and, and we know why, because that contextually, again, that is exactly what happened. This is the type of language that was used. Uh, what do you say to people that, that would turn around to you, Kai, and tell you that, look, this is not a big deal. It's just a, it's, it's a slur. It's, it's something that people say to each other. People should just get over it. We should stop being so uh, thin-skinned. We, it's a snowflake generation, etc., etc. Is, is this harmful language? Is this something harmful to people ultimately? Absolutely. I think it's been used for generations to, um, uh, I don't even know, I don't even have the words to describe what this word's been used to do to human beings for such a long time. And I think that anyone who says that might be a little bit ignorant to the shame and the, the hurt that it causes. 100%. Listen, mate, well on you. I think you have a beautiful acting career ahead of you. I, I thoroughly enjoyed your performance. I just told Oliver Hermanis, I'm sure you heard that. Um, it's definitely one of the best South African movies I've watched, not in recent history, ever. Um, it's, it's one of the best South African movies I've ever watched. It's beautiful cinematography, excellent acting on your behalf, as well as the rest of your cast. Well done on you. I think it's about time that we had such a, uh, a high standard production. Thank you. That's very kind of you. All the best to you, mate. That was uh, Kai Luke Brummer. He is, of course, the lead.
actor in the film uh, Moffy. And and please do take the opportunity. Hopefully, COVID nineteen doesn't stick around for too long in the restrictions that we have. No, you know, gatherings, uh, no gatherings larger than one hundred. Or maybe you can go to a cinema that allows in ninety nine people. But take the opportunity to go watch this movie. It's absolutely stunning. Twenty seven minutes to go before we get to eleven o'clock. Up next. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this portion of the conversation. I'm speaking to Casper de Vries, uh, one of my absolute favorites. I can't believe that I'm only speaking to him now after my lengthy radio career. And uh, Christian Groblar, uh, this is an uh, extension to this conversation. It's part of a campaign called Hashtag Called a Moffy. Connect. Engage. Change. This is 702. This is 702. For the curious. Time indeed flies when you're having fun. Of course, up next, um, I'm speaking to Casper de Vries, uh, who, as I said, is someone that I've uh, been a fan of for many, many, many years. Uh, but this is part of an extension, I think, uh, or we can view it as an extension, something that uh, supersedes just the film. And there is another campaign that rose uh, in and around this period called Hashtag called a moffy and to have that conversation with me of course is casper de Fries, a beautiful uh, video clip of his that i watched earlier good evening to you and thank you for joining us good evening can you hear me well i, I can hear you it's it's decent the line is decent thus far oh, so let's okay. hope that it, it keeps up casper one of the things that i'm very upset about is of course that COVID 19 has uh, prevented you from coming to studio i'm, yeah. I'm very upset at this virus can you believe this, eh? the whole thing was uh, that i would be there live i would with my director who's working with me on a comedy show at the moment. And yeah, now I, I decided rather not. <laughs> no, I hear you. I'll take the chance. <laughs> no, I hear you. So I'm so sorry, man. No, 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 it's all cool. It's all cool. Okay, so let's talk about hashtag called a Moffy uh, there for a couple of seconds. And and this is something so important because, uh, I mean, I just had a conversation with both the director as well as the lead star for for the, the full Moffy. Um, as you well know, Casper, we grew up in a society where the term Moffy was thrown around uh, very casually, all the way through from, um, you know, you're Moffy because you don't want to play for the first team uh, at you know rugby yeah. in in your school all the way through to actually a slur being directed specifically at uh, gay men. I mean, is it is it something that's a big deal? Is it something that we really have to pay attention to? Is it something that we have to eradicate out of our language and almost view as, if not view as, hate speech? The term Moffy. Yeah. Well, I I thought about it for a long time, and I. The end of the uh, day, decided to reclaim the word for myself, and um, I use the word. I use it with my friends. Mm. I'm gay, and when when we together, uh, you will say uh, this, multi that. But if a straight kid does that, I will literally explode because he's got no right to do that because the pain of that word is still. Inherent, but let's rather take it back into our culture, our subculture, mm. and 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 throw it in, in, a, in the face of, of people who try to be derogatory with it. And ultimately, I mean, what I find interesting is I'm sure that the campaign. Um, it doesn't just deal with hurt feelings around being called Moffy. I'm sure that hashtag called a Moffy is, is, is a bigger project. It, it, 
um, you know, it wants to deal and address a lot more. Let's talk about that. What is the ultimate aim? What is the ultimate idea behind this campaign? Well, I think it would be uh, safe to say that we can be more at ease and not that nervous about the word. I, I think that ultimately, for me, is uh, what it's about. Mm. You know, um, when I, in 1980, I can't remember anymore, six, seven, uh, had to go to the army. I actually postponed it, postponed it, and I thought it's going to stop. It's going to stop at some stage. I knew it was going to stop um, because the government just couldn't keep up with Sharon. But mm. unfortunately, I was still part of that group who, after university, had to go. But the university gave me a chance to, to accept my gayness and to think about that and to, and to be more prepared for that world that mm. I was going to enter. And I hated it my, my whole life, my heart. Um, and you know what? The last question, you come in there and they sit, you make it, and they do this and that, and then you have to fill in the form. And the last question is, are you a homosexual? And then you go sit with someone at the table, and that's the very first question they look at. The answer is that answer. Are you homosexual? Of course I said no. Because I knew what they were going to do to me, so I I just um, played with the enemy from within. Are <laughs> you? And uh, that's a very so. How you? The one thing that you make mention of in the video clip uh, that I watched earlier on, you know, for part yeah. of the hashtag called the Moffy campaign. Is, is the fact that you didn't have to go to the border, but nonetheless you were in the army at the time. I mean, what were some of the obstacles that you had met? And, and you make it clear that you're happy that you didn't have to go to the border because you probably wouldn't have survived it. No, but but So what were some of your survival tactics? Because I think that for me becomes uh, an analogy of how you then during that period, pre-1994 and, and probably after that, had to then survive yeah. on, a, on a regular basis because you make it clear that you were the guy that when people say, Dazimofi, then you would be like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. But, you know, it's an uncomfortable laugh, and, and you, but you're acting straight in, uh, despite the fact that you are gay. Yeah, I, I, I remain dignified, I remain civilized, and I think that a lot of the less educated, intelligent uh, white people in my squad uh, respected me, even though they they had that slur to throw. But it it didn't really impact me because at some stage I said I would claim that word back. So go ask yourself, call me what you want, but I will say what I am, and Morphe I will say with pride. And uh, I, I'm proud to be one. So we are intelligent human beings who've done so much for society throughout the ages and suffered so much um, that uh, I thought I would claim mostly and say I'm proud to be one. 
So I see that uh, there's an up-and-coming TV show uh, that you're part of. I'll speak yes. to Christian just now. I figured let me finish the conversation yeah. with you and then go to Christian. Yeah. Um, you pronounce it, sir, you pronounce it, Yes, I, I realize now as I, as I spoke to it because you Casper de Vries, not Casper de Vries. Cas yeah. obicasi. Yeah. Which is the box. The box, the TV, uh, right? The oh, TV, yeah. I see it launches on the 6th of April. Uh, what's it all about? Yes. Well, it is, uh, again, uh, sketch comedy, TV sketch comedy, Afrikaans sketch comedy, where we try to push the borders of the Afrikaner's humor. Afrikaner is by nature extremely conservative. I mean, you still, I am still uh, being called the Mopi on, on, on some quarters. Oh, wow. It doesn't bother me at all. But, I mean, it, it is still there. It's still out there. And this show is, is very uh, controversial in a way. But I am proud to say that I claim uh, the gayness of what I am and also celebrate that through humor, you know, because mm. people do have a wonderful sense of humor as well. And we celebrate that in the series, Classificati. Uh, well, can I tell you something, Casper? Uh, I mean, Casper. Uh, I mean, listen to me calling you Casper. Casper, I I've known, I've seen you on TV since, and I I can't even remember the show because I was still a kid watching this. So I'm giving away your age and my age here. Yeah? It was a television yeah. show where you were an alien. I think a space alien of some sorts. Yeah, and your ears used to do a funny thing. Please remind yeah. me, what was the show called? I'm not going to tell you because that's going to date me back to the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was called What If. Yes, and I remember watching that show. And I you actually... What if. People still stop me today and talk about What If. <laughs> that made such an impression. But uh, I wanted to ask, when you speak to, to Christian, who's very much younger than I am, he was finished with his movie. And when the movie started, he was in tears. And I heard. Thing, that that he called, that he taken out on a stretcher, I think. So it was, I found it very interesting that he had such a reaction. That's what I want to dive into now. I want yeah. to dive into that yeah. with him because yeah. um, especially that visceral response to it. Because again, I think both yeah. of us are coming from a community and from a setting. Yeah. Uh, I grew up Afrikaans as well, by the way, but on the other side of the color line. Um, yeah. But terms like mafia were used very, very liberally. Um, it, it didn't just hurt yeah. people's feelings, but, but ultimately, you know, the homophobia, the deep-seated homophobia was there. And I mean, you, yeah. you've spoken extensively cool. to, to how it impacted on you. But we'll leave it there, Casper. Uh, thank you so much for chatting to us this evening. I'm going straight into the conversation with Christian. Thanks, man. Cheers, man. Like, that was Casper uh, de Vries there. Uh, absolutely love chatting to him. It's just that the line wasn't too great. So I think let's move to uh, Christian immediately, who is uh, uh, not only Casper's friend, but also the assistant director on Cas uh, Opikasi. Christian, I understand that uh, you sat down, you watched the film Morphe, um, and it just tore you to pieces. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, we went out and I was very excited to watch the song because I've heard a lot of good things about it. And then, I don't know, like halfway through the movie, once you sort of get into the camps, there's like a lot of things 
started started hitting me. Um, it's I think I guess it started with my one friend. I, I came with a friend, and he's gay, and he studied um, in Poch, and he left. So mm. I, I went to go check on him, and sort of as I was walking out, it just started hitting me in these waves, like. All I could see in the movie, I, like the character started disappearing, and I, all I could see were these were all these like gay people in my life. I, I could just see their faces, and, and then it got worse because all I could then see is like them having to go through this even today. And then what followed was me sort of seeing these these seeds being planted um, of like the next generation, the generation that sort of raised you know me, and it, it sort of started clicking this toxic masculinity and this this need to call someone that's weaker than you a morphe and it just became very overwhelming to me and yeah you know, i think from from there on out i didn't get much of it because i was just a mess um trying to cope at one point i was just like shoving popcorn down my mouth going it's fine it's fine you can make it through if they could if they could face these horrors if you look at face these horrors i can at least give them the respect and decency to face this movie but it was it was a hard time no, fair enough, and I think it's you know it's it just shows um, not necessarily, and I don't want to go to the extent of saying how times have changed because I think to a large extent, um, very little has changed. But we live in a society now where you don't have sort of societal and uh, state-sanctioned or state-approved homophobia. Now mm. the state, now society, our constitution, uh, and I think rational people within society see that type of, of approach and behavior as being uh, wrong. And, and it's something that you will definitely never in a million years actually approve of. However, at the very same time, I think the big problem that we do have, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this one, Christian, is that we still live in a deeply homophobic society. I mean, uh, how do we overturn that? How do we change that? Especially for a young person like yourself, who was so deeply moved and affected by homophobia that was staged in 1981, and that was the the reality for people then. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's difficult because I try to make a conscious effort. Like, I know I had this conversation with my niece the other day, and it was just she mentioned it was more of a throwaway, but she was just like, "Yeah, we have this morphe in our um, um, that lives with us in the she just started studying." And I'm like, "We don't say that. We do not say that because it's not because the person is here or isn't here. That's not what it matters. We just do not say these things because it's hurtful. These words." hurt people like um and they carry such a weight and a history and yeah i think for example like even like i'm not the most masculine person in the world and i think in a way this movie also triggered a lot of uh, of the um homophobia i got in school mm. um and all i could see was like it, this it was these sort of actions that created the parents that are now telling their children that this sort of behavior is okay and i think I'm at least trying to make a conscious effort to reinforce that, at least for my nieces and nephews, that this sort of behavior is not okay. It's, it's far from it, and it's genuinely hurting people every single day. So let's talk a bit about that, because, I mean, obviously, as I said, it was that even though our mores or the moral compass of society has changed a lot, um, homophobia is still part and parcel of our society. I mean, what are some of the nonsense that you have had to deal with? I can imagine at school... Uh, there's still a macho culture, uh, Christian, and uh, based on your name alone, Christian Grobelaar, I take it you come from an Afrikaans background, so uh, as rugby, as braiflees, as beer drunk, as mekaar donner. You know, how do you survive in that environment 
um, and you know you you encountering the, the the homophobia that you would because you're not this macho breaking walls type character. Hundred percent. Like it was it was hard. You know, like I know that one of the worst days for me was just like I remember looking up because we had a two story high school. I come from like a very small Afrikaans town. And we had a two-story high school, and I just remember looking up from the second story, and I remember these guys just, like, hulking a loogie, just, like, this wad of spit, like, hitting me. And this overwhelming sense of just, like, hopelessness hit me because no one reacted to it. And I felt like I was in this twilight zone of, like, I just got spat on, and no one, like, is doing anything. And I, like, went to a teacher, and I was like, there, nothing happened there. And then I had, like, a panic attack in class because I was like, I just got spat on, and nothing's happening and I think it's difficult because I was having this conversation with my sister the other day and she's like what do you what do you need people to do and I'm like I don't know I just do something I think that's the biggest thing because inaction is it's action in that in this case inaction says we are siding with the person that did this because we are choosing not to punish this behavior so just as a final thought on this one I mean uh, you got Casa um, uh, Picasso uh, with, with, of course, with Casper uh, de Vries, the, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a comedy sketch show. It's and, and one yes. of the things that Casper mentioned in his video clip was that he could be himself through his comedy. I mean, what do you hope to achieve? Is there any bit of the work that you're doing with Casper in this space that ultimately becomes a statement? Um, you know, saying to people, listen, behave yourself. Yeah, I think so. One of our big sort of themes that ended up happening in the show is that no matter who you are, you can just be yourself and it's okay to be silly. Um, we try to t- tackle some social issues, like one that sort of rings throughout the entire show. It's a little bit of a sense of um, awareness about the um, ecology and the world sort of um, global warming. That's mm. a co- constant theme in the show. There's also, there are several um, sexual characters. They are characters in the LGBTQ um, community. And I think it's just a case of continuing to push this idea sure. that it's normal. Just these are normal people that are just also trying to get it through to Friday and enjoy the weekend, you know? Dude, listen, thank you so much for your time. All the best to you and uh, good luck with the project with you and Kasper. You guys take off on, on air on the 6th of April, right? That's correct. Great stuff. Thanks, man. There was uh, Christian Hrobler. He is, of course, a friend to Casper de Vries as well as the director of Cas uh, uh, Opikasi. My final guest in this hour is uh, he's a contributing writer uh, on MTV Sugar, LGBTIQ+, uh, plus, um, uh, advocate as well, Pumlani Kengo. Pumlani, good evening and thank you for joining us, man. Good evening, how are you doing, guys? Well, uh, great stuff. Listen, mate, I mean, coming out of the... And it's something I, I just recently wrote about, I think in the Mail and Guardian, if I'm not mistaken. I don't want to mix up the newspapers here, but... Um, yeah. No, it wasn't... The, yeah, it was either City Press or Mail and Guardian. And I'm sorry if they're going to stab me for, for getting it wrong. Yeah. But, I mean, Lindo Kukle's horrific death, right, in, in, in yeah. KZN recently. We have other cases coming through. Homophobia is yeah. still a massive, massive issue. Hashtag called yeah. a Moffy, the full Moffy, uh, in Leba going back a couple of years. Ultimately, how do they aid in the narrative, the, the anti-homophobia narrative? Let's start there. Um, so firstly, um, like the conversation has been happening, right? So when it comes to us talking about anti-homophobia, we've been talking about it since I don't know how long on mm. social media. So, for example, if you had to go on, on Twitter now, for example, I started a hashtag a while back, I think 2015, 
which landed up in um, the Times as well as some of the other publications here, where it was titled Gazeless Talk. So basically people were coming out and sharing their experiences being mm. gay in South Africa and some of the challenges we faced. So some of the discussions we were talking about were firstly like, you know, the the small things like the questions that people ask you, who's a man, who's a woman in the yeah. relationship, you know, it starts with those small things. Um so I think when it comes to, to how Inaba and Morphe have changed the narrative, I think it's also just been, it's, it's in people's faces. Um, on social media, people have the option of scrolling past. They don't have to engage with the content. But the fact that now it's in their face, it's in their malls, it's in the billboards, when you drive, it's forcing people to actually now, you know, um, actually look into themselves and actually figure out what is the issue with gay people. Um, but in terms of how they, they're helping the narrative, I think they, they, they're creating the conversation that we need to be having, um, that we've been having rather, um, and we're adding further to that conversation. I mean, what else do we do? What what more needs to be done? And I'll, I'll, I'll leave this as the final question. And if you wish to, after the 11 o'clock yeah. eyewitness news, uh, maybe continue the conversation, Pumlani, if you don't mind, because of time That's limitations. Probably. But very quickly, we have 30 seconds left. Uh, I'd just like to understand, what else do we do? Maybe if you just list what else needs to be done for us to broaden this conversation in a South Africa where we have legal and constitutional protections, but a very a deeply homophobic society. Yeah, well, I said in, I said in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the in the video that we did for, for the film, that as gay people or rather queer people, we're tired of educating straight people because we've been doing it for years. Now it's up to straight people to use the information we've been giving them to educate themselves and educate others. Okay, so let's stop there for now. Let's stop there for now and then continue on that thought after after no the 11 o'clock Eyewitness News. Thank you so much. That was Pumlani Kengo. No as I mentioned, he is a contributing writer with uh, MTV Sugar as well as LGBTI GNC Advocate. Talk at nine on seven oh two, your number one news and talk station. It is six minutes past eleven o'clock. Welcome back. You're listening to Gershwin Brooks and Talk at nine on uh, seven oh two as well as Cape Talk. Great to be in your company. Uh, wrapping up a great conversation I'm having with Pumlani Kengo, and this is around the hashtag called a Moffy campaign, and it springs from numerous things. Obviously, the film Moffy itself. Uh, going back in time in Leba, uh, the film that uh, uh, caused quite a stir, one of the first seminal films to deal with the issue of LGBTI GNC um, uh, issues in South Africa in particular, especially within a traditional setting. Morphe set within a traditional Afrikaans SANDF. It wasn't called the SA, it was called the SADF, I think, uh, South African Defense Force uh, setting, you know, during the border wars. Uh, very Afrikaans, very masculine space. Um, and then, you know, very important conversations coming through because of both of these films. Um, but how do we take it a step, you know, take it a step further? What do we do next? And I like the last point that Pumlani had raised around um, heterosexuals having, you know, or rather... Um, LGBTI and GNC persons being tired of having to constantly educate cisgender heterosexual people. Um, and, and I think that for me is, is a very interesting notion, Pumlani, especially based on the fact, as I mentioned, that 
you know, that's why we, we uh, I think the cumulative term that's used all too often. And I know this is a very uh, political laden space. It's a heavy space to be in. But yeah. when we talk about sexual minorities, right? Ultimately, yeah. I think the, the, the operating word there for me is minorities. So ultimately, you have cisgender, heterosexual people being in the majority. And we know usually when you have those dynamics, unfortunately, what tends to happen is that the majority aren't always as nice to the minority, especially yeah. in South Africa where we have legal and constitutional protections. Unfortunately, we still have uh, people doing the stuff. And that's why I had to speak to you about yeah. the Kulte at the beginning of the show. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, <clears throat> like I was saying with the previous point, um, just to add on further, because I was going to say that, um, you know, we've got resources, we've got information that we've been putting out for years about our experiences as LGBTI plus people. Um, and I think the reason why a lot of people are tired and frustrated is because of the fact that, we, yes, we have a constitution that protects us only on paper, but... Um, we still find that at the end of the day, there isn't that much punishment that is given for people that contribute to homophobia, similar to racism. It's only now that we're noticing that there are cases um, that are being used rather to as examples for society. So I'm yet to see something that's going to showcase what could happen to someone who's homophobic um, without them being charged for murder. Let's call it homophobia rather than murder. Um, I think I think when it comes to 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 that point, I think we are genuinely frustrated because we we have internet services, we've got data prices, we're talking about the fourth industrial mm. revolution, but people aren't using the resources. It's that thing of why should I give you information that you could easily Google? But then again, it also goes back to the point that if people are genuinely interested in learning about queer people, they'll go find the resources themselves. Very true. Ultimately, very true. But I mean, a lot, I think what makes it a complex issue ultimately, and, and going back to a film like Moffy, going back to a movie like uh, Ingleba, which which you know yeah. ultimately demonstrates, uh, not just in the past, but also in the present, the context that we live within, and it still continues to a large extent, the biggest problem yeah. that we have is that we have traditional societies in the instance of Ingleba. We have traditional societies that say that this is what it means to be a man and this is how we make you a man. Um, yeah. and, and the same applies to, 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 to Moffi, where you have, yeah. uh, you know, this, this um, uh, military background. This is what it means to be a proper Afrikaans male. I mean, the, all of yeah. that nonsense ultimately translates into... Um, you know, a society that's that's obviously very close-minded, but that's that's the yeah. issue, okay. But on the second, yeah. but also on the second level, uh, beyond that, I think also we need to be honest: is that those attitudes and ideas still permeate through society? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, and it's reinforced by it almost. So, how do we overcome that? Yeah. So, just to give you an example, um, so. For example, in, in, in Kailicha, in the Western Cape, right, people still use the word morphe, but they don't use it in a way that is derogatory, yeah. funny enough, right? So I, I came to notice that the word morphe in Cape Town, or rather in Kailicha, is used sort of like a third gender, like in India, right? In India, they've got a third gender. Mm. So when, when they describe a person who is referred to morphe in Kailicha, they're able to say that um, person exhibits A, B, and C, 
and this person is X, Y, and Z. So they, they use descriptive descriptions and they'll use they'll use they'll use a word basically to form a personality or a person, but not in a derogatory way as we have come to 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 know the word. So it's it's been interesting just to watch how society is also like educating people using the same word because there's a time where I would cringe whenever I'd hear that word um, in Kailich and I'd be like, why are people still using that word? But then when I'd listen to the conversation, I'd actually understand like this is their understanding of gay people. And if there's a, a way in which we can get in to start the conversation and educate the people to say that, listen, actually, you're not, you're not, off, the, you're not off the track, but we don't use that word. Like the understanding that you have mm. of a person in Morphe is correct, but we don't use the word because of X, Y, and Z. So I think um, mm-hmm. when, it com- when it comes to both movies, for me, I was able to relate to both because firstly, I'm Kosa yeah. and I'm from the Eastern Cape. And secondly, I went to a boys' school where all the stuff that was happening uh, um, in Morphe, we experienced in the boys' school. We had hazing, you can call the mm. F word if you seem to be weak or meek. For example, I was the youngest and the smallest in my school. But I was lucky because I had an old boy who people were scared of. So I was not really bullied. Um, but obviously, there were people in my class who'd make fun of me for being obviously seen as weak. Um, but in terms of both stories, for me, it was so interesting that as much as I may be black and I'm closer, and I may relate maybe to Inleba's story, but it also goes to show that even with the Afrikaner side of it, it, it there's still instances where as a queer person you can relate regardless of your race because at the end of the day, homophobia doesn't choose whether you're black or white. It's directly actually because of the fact that you are gay or you're a lesbian or you're trans. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah, so I think I think in terms of in terms just to go back to your question because I've been thinking about it, like I've been wrecking my brain also, just to think about how society could also like, you know, um what they can do as well in terms of joining the conversation. That I think it 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 starts with having an interest. So do you have an interest and do you want to learn more and yeah. what what are you gonna do with the information once you know? Are you going to educate others? Because the one thing I've come to know um, from my experiences is that I've, had, I've met people who are homophobic and I've had conversations with them and I've understood where they come from. You know, and some queer people in the community don't want to have these conversations with um, homophobic people. I don't mind it because it's my, it's my work. I want to hear where you're coming from. I want to learn all these things so that I'm able to educate someone similar to you in the future because a lot of it comes from religion, tradition, mm. and education. So if we can figure out those three things and see how they influence people's decisions and how they treat others, then I think we could, we could start somewhere in, in, in actually having the engaging conversations. Because even with but no one, there was no logical explanation or justification as to why people didn't want to come to the table and have the conversation. Yes, we're going to talk about culture and tradition, but there's so many things that are happening in the bush that aren't supposed to be happening. People aren't supposed to have their cell phones in the bush, but they have their phones there. People aren't supposed to have um, electronics, such as radios, um, but people still do those things because back in the day, none of those things were allowed. Women weren't allowed to go, but now people have their girlfriends coming over. So, you know, there's a lot of things that I think just didn't make sense for me because that justification doesn't make sense. 
So I just think people are just plain homophobic and like just refusing to to have the conversation because they're standing still with what they believe and and they don't want their beliefs challenged. And I think that's where the issue starts also is that people don't want their beliefs challenged. And people don't mm. want to they want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to take a leap into something they don't know. So people are comfortable in being ignorant. Yeah. They're comfortable in what they know because it's what I grew up knowing. And that's not an excuse because at the end of the day, you may, you may find that you have a best friend who is gay, but they're not telling you because of your attitude. Because of your attitude, uh, yeah. Or a family member. You know? Yeah. Uh, no, listen, uh, you know what, Pumlani, what's very clear is that we have a long way to go. Uh, as a nation and as a people and uh, hopefully we will get there eventually and uh, uh, just as a final thought to sign off I mean uh, films like this uh, you know I'm, I'm a cis I'm a cisgender heterosexual male myself um, I work in the human rights space a lot of people and, and unfortunately I guess if, if you lack the historical context it's easy then to assume that because I'm a human rights do-gooder that's the only reason why I'm in this particular space and, and, and it's something that I just preach uh, you know, but not necessarily believe in, et cetera, et cetera. That's some of the underlying beliefs that people have in this space. You know, people feel that you must be an insider to be part of the activism, to be part of the particular process. However, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter remains that ultimately I don't see why as a human being I need to judge and then also on top of it hate and then enact hate on people purely because of who they love. So bringing yeah. it back home to just ordinary people um, and the narratives that we share with ordinary people, does Inglaba, does Morphe actually assist in bringing home that idea or does it become uh, you know, a, a wonderful viewing experience for persons like myself um, who believes in the rights of all and equality of all despite sex, gender, um, sexual orientation and of all the other categories that you can think of. Yeah. Um, well, for you, I would say, like, look, you're an ally, and I personally appreciate people that are allies um, because they actually make an effort to understand and learn about our community. Um, and I think films like Inweba and, um, what do you call this, and, and Morphe are very important in that they, they, they teach people like you who are allies about our experiences because you may find that yes i may be friends with you and you may know about my experience but my experience might be different from another person so these films are important in showcasing that um yes they may not have the desirable effect needed in terms of starting a conversation but it does give you an insider's look um so it does give you a viewer's look inside our lives and our experiences the things we go through part of the reason why we do certain things you know for example, like people ask me about um, why I dress a certain way. You know, like for example, I'm very comfortable with my sexuality, but I also know that I live in a dangerous society. Mm. So I I know that in certain spaces I have to not not well, I don't want to say I have to. What's what I'm looking for? I, I don't want to say that I custom myself to that particular space, but I always look at the spaces that I go to and yeah. I dress according to that particular space. So, for example, I'm in East London at the moment. Um, I still wear my shorts. I still dress feminine. But there's certain spaces I wouldn't go to East London if I was dressed like feminine um, because of the fact that it would just open a can of worms because already people want to go back to India 
and using Nebe as a justification. But, um, yeah, I think we, we definitely need more people like you. Um, we need more allies. We need more people that are going to use their voice within their own cis communities to be like, hey, guys, I, I'm understanding it, so how can you not understand it? What is your reason for not understanding it? So I think it's definitely important to have movies like this so that you get an idea and you're able to learn more about us so that you're able to educate um, sexual people. Thanks, mate. Listen, all the best to you, Pumlani. Thank you for, for sticking around after 11 o'clock. Hopefully it's not way past your bedtime. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. No, not at all. Well, Great today we've got a we got a we got a thing today, so it's not like I'm doing anything tomorrow. So I'll be indoors. Yeah. Plus, your thing might be cancelled by COVID nineteen anyway. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It actually is because we were actually we had an event, or rather an activation happening this weekend where we're going to be testing people, or rather MSM for HIV in Durban. So I, I don't know if that might happen now or not, but we'll see. Right. Good luck, mate. All the best. Plenty of work so to much. do in the space. Thank you so much, Cheers, man. Thanks. Thank that was uh, Pumlani Kengo, contributing writer, MTV Sugar, uh, LGBTI and GNC uh, advocate, and um, I think a lovely conversation there. I think really trying to bring home the idea and the message that, guys, really, it's not that difficult to just leave people alone.